Hey there, we're the West Slap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo, and I am way too sober for this preview. <laughs> I, I'm way too sober to even think about last year's game. Um, we're talking about the Land of Lincoln game, uh, the, our in-state rival, Illinois, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, they they took the hat for the first time in six years last year, and they took it pretty emphatically. Um Obviously, last year was last year, but uh, you know, coming at the end of this year, we'll we'll see what Brett Bielema and his boys have in store uh, for year two in that regime. Um, John, let's let's start with their D. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> for a solid decade plus, I have always looked forward to ending my defensive preview with Illinois. Not this year. Not right now. I think we've all wondered for a long time what would happen if Illinois got a legitimate coaching staff. We all knew about Brett Bielema's track record overall, but let me introduce you to a name that a lot of you still might not know yet. Ryan Walter. Ryan Walter took over as DC at Illinois last year after holding that job for three years at Mizzou. He's only 36, and he appears to be really really good at his job and he's not related to me (laughs) no he is not that we know of (laughs) uh walter engineered a massive turnaround last year taking the uh, the illini from last to sixth in both scoring and total defense he was a finalist for the broyles award he's one of the marquee minority coaching candidates in the country and again he's only 36 years old And it's not just that the Illinois defense improved, it's how it improved. So the book on Illinois over the years has been lack of depth and skewed production. Illinois is the kind of team where you'll have a guy who's got 15 sacks or a guy who's got 120 tackles, and then it's like the 13th or the 14th best defense in the conference. That's been Illinois' MO for years. Walter's unit last year was balanced in almost every way. The top two tacklers had 81 and 80 tackles, respectively. No player had more than six and a half sacks, but Illinois was seventh in the conference in that category. The Illini were ninth in run D, eighth in picks, seventh in pass D. In other words, Illinois wasn't bad at anything, and they return a lot. Up front is certainly where the potential trouble area is for Illinois in a bad way. Because Illinois has to replace and Isaiah Gay and edge rusher Owen Carney, who combined for 18 tackles for loss. But this is mitigated by the fact that Illinois returns a young end, Keith Randolph, who was second on the team in sacks last year. And yes, amongst other new names in the interior of this line, for anyone who forgot, is one Tara Edwards. But further helping the line is the fact that Illinois played an aggressive but disciplined up rolled up forward defense last year and that approach was buoyed by the fact that illinois suddenly out of the blue has an excellent blue collar secondary 
Sidney Brown is an all-Big Ten caliber safety, and Devin Witherspoon and Jartavius Martin are all-Big Ten caliber corners. These are lunch pail guys. They're about pass breakups. They're about making solo tackles. They don't gamble for picks. I want to stop here again and stress how friggin' un-Illinois this all is. These guys just cover. They fill gaps well. It lets Illinois roll the whole defense up. Gluing this all together is the return of leading tackler Tariq Barnes at linebacker. In addition, Illinois has another linebacker, Calvin Hart, who looked phenomenal at the start of last year before he sustained a season-ending knee injury. If he's back healthy, and it looks like he is, this linebacker core could be very good. Again, this is not a world-beating defense. It's not going to be the strongest unit up front, and it'll probably get hit for some serious rush yards by the best teams, but this still might be a very solid defense. And more than that, it just feels like an ascendant defense. Walter feels like one of the best young coaches out there, and Illinois has all the pieces in place to really take another step up in his second year on the job. Honestly, if you look at how Walter's first year on the job went, and how Jim O'Neill's first year went, and Tara Edwards' decision starts to come into focus a little bit. It's certainly not particularly fortunate for Northwestern to have to be measuring Jim O'Neill against these dynamic, young, defensively brilliant minority coaches in Ryan Walter and Marcus Freeman in Champaign and South Bend right now. It's not a great regional situation as things currently stand. As for our actual matchup with Illinois this year, last year's tape kind of tells you everything you need to know. One of these teams looked disciplined and the other didn't. Illinois filled gaps, made tackles. Northwestern's quarterbacks threw a pick, fumbled twice. Northwestern's offensive play calling looked simplistic and uninspired. Evan Hall was kind of ground for 101 yards on 32 carries. This Illinois defense just demanded respect in that game, and our offense didn't answer the call. And I hate to tell you, but this is kind of just the landscape of this rivalry as things currently stand. We now have to go out and play our best football against this defense. No more throwing Andrew Marty or Coco Azima into the line for free yards in this rivalry matchup. We're going to need misdirection, accuracy throwing the ball, a varied attack, and a couple of long sustained drives to beat this team. Um, But most of all, Northwestern needs to regain its hold on this strong defensive culture in this state because it looks right now like Illinois and Ryan Walter are on the way up. What are we going to do about that? We need to handle it. As a scuzz, offensively, um, making a change at OC after just one year. Very interesting move by Mr. Bielema. Well, you know, last year's offense only scored 20 points per game, which was exactly the same as in 2020. So um, I can kind of understand doing that, frankly. Um, he brings in the the uh, Barry Lunny, who was the tight end coach uh, at Arkansas, uh, with him. Uh, tight ends are he's got a, a bunch of them on his team, so you know we'll see. Um, but you know, I, going into last season, I think, and, and 
this was obvious to everyone is that, you know, Lovey Smith had left the cupboard pretty bare for Bielema save in the run game. They had a great offensive line. They had Chase Brown and this team, you know, was, was poised to do what Bielema does best uh, really well. Interestingly, they weren't quite as good um, as they had been in 2020. They, they lost a little bit of steam with the running game. Uh, they definitely had a worse sack rate. So that offensive line, you know, maybe underperformed a little bit despite the the returning starters and the pedigree. Um, but Illinois did make up for that with a slight increase in passing efficiency to kind of maintain their, their overall offensive output. And now this year, you know, I think probably in part because just the general program trajectory that John alluded to, um, but there, there are some out there that would have you think that Brett Bielema is coming for your children. Now, maybe, maybe those are Illinois fans, but um Let's take a, a deeper look at these marauders, shall we? Um, so first, they have to replace three starters on O-line, including center. Now, they went to the JUCO ranks for a couple of guards um, who, you know, that that should help them maintain somewhat. I think there might still be a little bit of a drop-off, but it's hard to imagine this group getting dramatically better or dramatically worse. I think another season at about the 50th to 60th best offensive line in the country is in the cards. Um you can't get much more of a statuesque quarterback than Brian Peters, so they should get some harp, some help in that department too. Um, uh, several big pass catchers are back. Isaiah Williams, who you may recall was a quarterback recruit initially, he moved to wide receiver last year for the bowl game, or I'm sorry, two years ago for the bowl game, and then last year was the leading uh, receiver for Illinois. He did really well, um, kind of kind of to my surprise. He only averaged 11 yards per catch. So, like, interestingly, they mostly used him. I, I quipped in the, you know, preseason preview that he was going to be, you know, primarily a running threat on, on jet sweeps, et cetera. That wasn't true, but he was primarily a horizontal threat for this offense. Uh, Casey Washington was a decent number two guy. He got up to, you know, 14 yards per catch, but really nobody on this team was anywhere close to a downfield threat last season. Um, former quarterback recruit Deuce Spahn hit some, hit some big ones. Um, he only had... Uh, what, five receptions, but um, he averaged almost 25 yards per catch, but he has transferred to Florida State, so we don't have to worry about him. Uh, Luke Ford, the all-everything tight end who transferred from Georgia. This is a homegrown Illinois guy who's like the number five tight end in the country, went to Georgia, came back after one season. Uh, He is very good at blocking, uh, but only caught 15 balls for a seven-yard average, so just not the offensive threat um, that he may have been made out to be. Uh, Daniel Barker was a... um, uh, a good pass catching tight end who has graduated and there just does not appear to be a clear replacement on the roster for him. Now, maybe Lunny is going to work some magic. Um, maybe they've, they've got some guys coming in through, through the portal that, that, you know, weren't super apparent uh, as I was digging through, but I, you know, in, in general, I think this team just lacks a deep threat and that's going to ultimately hold them somewhat in check in 22. I think, you know, they, maybe they improve on those 2020 numbers, but I don't think it's going to be dramatic. Uh, the strength of this offense remains the running game. So Chase Brown and the rest of the running backs are all returned, uh, are, are, all, are all back. Um, they were the seventh best rushing team in the conference last year. I think it's kind of hard to be much better than that when you're so one-dimensional as a squad overall. So they could do more with this group. Uh, Brown averaged 5.9 yards per carry, had 1,000 on the year. But he only had 170 carries, like not as much as you might you might have thought. Uh, Josh McCray was great as a second guy, though. He averaged 4.9, and they have even further depth with decent recruits, uh, Chase Hayden and Reggie Love. Uh, by the way, Reggie Love was their last four-star recruit on either side of the ball back in 2020. 
Um, playing a uh, playing a similar role to the rug in the Big Lebowski, uh, Syracuse transfer quarterback Tommy DeVito is going to try to tie all this together into a successful offense. Now, I did not have the stomach to go too deep on Syracuse, but here's what I did find. Uh, DeVito grew up in a classic football factory in New Jersey, Don Bosco. He had a pretty big year his sophomore year at Syracuse. He threw for 19 touchdowns uh, at a seven-yard per attempt average and hit 63% completion. That's pretty decent. But when you do dig in and look at at the opponents, he he had under 200 yards passing in seven of the games that year, which were against all the good teams. Still, you know, it's all right. He was only a sophomore. Uh, He got injured his junior year, and then he shared the starter role for the first three games last season until he found the bench and then the transfer portal. Uh, Luckily for us, two of those games that he played in last year were against Ohio and Rutgers, so we can compare him directly to Ryan Holinsky. Now, against Ohio, uh, both DeVito and Holinsky's numbers look pretty similar. you will recall that this was pretty much the first time Holinsky really saw the field for Northwestern beyond some emergency mop-up duty at Duke. Um, but they, again, they were neither one of them looked great, pretty similar. However, against Rutgers, Tommy DeVito was 15 of 26 for 149 yards and a pick, while Holinsky was 18 of 33 for 267 and two TDs. Now, you know, neither one of them is, is, is you know, burning it down, but that's a dramatic difference against a pretty terrible defense. Um, after the Albany game the following week, uh, Tommy was benched in favor of uh, whoever's going to be starting for Syracuse uh, last year or, or this year. And uh, now he comes to Illinois. He's a yet another grad transfer quarterback replacing Brian Peters. Uh, he appears to have the job over Arthur Sitkowski, who is still on the roster. Uh, DeVito is, you know, typical size, six foot two. Uh, he rarely does any damage with his legs. Um, he, I think he only carried the ball like, uh, 21 times or something uh, in those in those games last year. So he's just he's just not a frequent runner. He has a career completion percentage just under 60 percent. Just nothing thrilling. Um, he does seem to limit interceptions. That's never really been a problem for him. But the big question, like, what does this mean for Illinois in 2022? I think it means that their passing game is still very anemic and that's going to make their offense one dimensional. Um, if teams can stop the run or score enough, the Illini will be in trouble. But if that run game can get loosed, uh, DeVito seems at least marginally more competent than the signal callers we've seen tried out for Illinois the last several years. So with that in mind, I think this offense could could improve somewhat. And that means that we just basically describe Illinois as a reasonable team on both sides of the ball. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Simpson of the Simpson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go cats. Well, let's let's run through their schedule real quick. Um, they've got a week zero matchup against Wyoming at home. Uh, then they are at Indiana on a Friday night, September second. They're home for Virginia, then Chattanooga. Uh, then they hit the road up to Wisconsin. A pair of home games against Iowa and Minnesota. Then they're at Nebraska, home for Michigan State and Purdue. 
and they finish off the season at Michigan and at Northwestern. So, uh, crossover games with Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana. Um, they get Iowa at home. They get uh, Minnesota at home, but they're on the road at Wisconsin, on the road at Nebraska, on the road at Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's like, on one hand, crossover looks pretty bad, um, you know, for them. And like you said, you just mapped those things out. But I think the flip side is... Illinois is not contending for a West title, right? I think this is a team that I think Scuzz and I, you know, I think both believe is solidly mediocre, solidly kind of middling, um, and kind of fitting that, it's just very easy for me to find six and six here. Um, Not to say, like, it's very easy for me to find six and six as a launching point. It's just very easy for me to settle into six and six here. Like, I can look and be like, Chattanooga, I mean, uh, Wyoming, Indiana, Virginia, Chattanooga, Purdue, and us, Illinois could easily win all six of those games. And I believe they will solidly win four of those anyway. And then, yeah, they might not win a couple of the other ones. But then again, it's like Nebraska. I mean, they beat Nebraska last year, right? I mean, that one could tip either way. Minnesota potentially could tip. Um, they so, beat Minnesota last year too. Yeah. So it's at, like at Minnesota, I, I want, I, I, I want to interrogate Iowa. Cause I, like, I think Wisconsin is too good for, for Illinois to, to have much of a shot there, especially on the road. But that Iowa game is very interesting because that's, a, I mean, the best defense in the conference and just a brain dead offense against a very like middling on both sides of the team, Illinois, like that could play out either way. Right. I think that's a game too, that it, I think it definitely feels like Illinois wants another shot at Iowa. Iowa had 20 points entering the fourth quarter of that game last year. And that game was really close. And then Iowa picked up another 13. Like again, Ryan Walter in this defense, are they world beating? No, but Ryan Walter has this defense being like, well, if we are who we think we are, we can definitely shut Iowa's offense down. Um, and I think that's going to be their mentality. So, right. I mean, then it may be, you know, pulled down into the mud just like our game was. Uh, but you're right. If that game's gross enough, Illinois might be able to run to get enough points to, to pull them off. I mean, it, it's that kind of thing. It's like on the flip side, like a Virginia could go against them. We could beat them, right? But I just, I, I just look and I'm like... It doesn't, obviously, going to a bowl definitely counts as a big win for Brett. It's kind of building stability, and I just, it's really easy for me to map that out. I just can find six wins here. I'm not seven or eight. I don't, I don't think so. I'm just like six seems solid to me. Here's a really interesting perspective. I was just looking at their schedule from last year. They were so inconsistent last year. So they get smoked. This is the back half of the season. They get smoked by Wisconsin shut out then beat Penn State on the road that was that ludicrous nine overtime game where it was um it came down to two point conversions oh yeah that yeah. was the stupidest most wonderful right. thing any of us oh seen. yeah um they follow that up by losing to Rutgers at home the next week yeah then go on the road and upset Minnesota where they were two touchdown underdogs um 
go from there to at Iowa, where, like you said, John, they came really close to knocking off the Hawkeyes and then obliterating Northwestern to end the season. So that like that is a stretch where they conceivably could have gone five and one with the one being a loss to Wisconsin and instead went three and three with at least one kind of preposterous victory. <laughs> so, yeah, I, like. When you look at the schedule this year, I mean, they they could start out, they probably start 4-0, they probably lose to Wisconsin, but then that Iowa-Minnesota pivot right in the middle, those are, I, I don't I don't want to call Iowa winnable. I think it's 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 within the realm of possibility if Illinois has an up day and Iowa has a down day, and then I think they can certainly hang with Minnesota on the 15th. I mean, could you be looking at a 6-1 and one Illinois going into that, that nutso stretch at the end? Like, we said they couldn't contend for the West. I don't think they can, but stranger I, so, things have happened. So here's the thing. I don't know how this team scores points against Wisconsin and Iowa. I just don't. Like, I don't see how they get points. Like, I just, those, I mean, DeVito, you kept describing him, and I was like, are you going to mention another quarterback option for them? Because I'm like, that doesn't sound like a starting quarterback. He's not good, but he's better than Brandon Peters. That's the interesting thing. Like I like they scored a 23 points on Iowa last year. Yeah. They could do that again for sure. I guess. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm just like, I, I feel like Iowa, Wisconsin, and then Michigan state, like Michigan state is built. Like I could see Michigan destroying Illinois. I'm just like there. Illinois' defense is is certainly ascendant. I think we think Michigan State's offense could potentially be great, and um, Michigan State. One thing that they can do is stop the run, and I think that's all Illinois got. So, I like again. I'm like, I see potential games that that are just going to be really hard for them to get points and find a way to win. But then on the other side, like. Again, like with Minnesota, like we talked, like we don't know exactly what that team's going to be. Um, and I feel like Illinois could absolutely be in a game like that. So, yeah, I to me, I'm like this team is six and six playing for seven. And that's that's a big win for them. And again, you know, it's I'm, I'm going to make a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs comment that I think their ceiling is nine. I Oof. agree with you that I, like, I, I yeah. think I think they end up at seven. I think they end up seven and five. But I think there's like. There's a there's a, a wild world where they could end up at nine, um, but just doing the math as I look at it now, that would include losses to Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Michigan. Like they they can't win the West with with those three losses on well, the record. And the other thing too is, I think you're all listening, and we've been having these discussions as we've done the preview. Um, but I would warrant that there's not a one of you listening to this pod that has Northwestern getting to six wins and doesn't have Illinois as one of those six wins. And we're just telling you, it's there. It's going to be a tough out. And we agree, a path to six probably does include the Illini, and that's our rivalry game, and we need to get the hat back and all of those things. It's just, it's going to be tough. It's just going to be tough. Illinois is a tough out now. This is probably a bowl-caliber team. They are not the weakest team on our schedule. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, it's going to be tough. Well, that wraps up our summer previews. I need uh, a drink. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Um, great job with uh, everything, guys. Uh, next time we talk, it's going to be game week. And we're going to be, you know, the guys are going to be either on the plane 
uh, to Ireland or, or already there. I don't know the exact schedule. Um, so we will see what happens. And, you know, we're ready to get this thing started. And frankly, I can't wait. Like, let, let's see the action on the field. I'm, I'm tired of talking about what ifs and what ifs and who knows and, you know, the cloak and dagger of who's going to be quarterback hold, and whatnot. Hold on, Sammy. We got we got two more, like, the most the most question mark laden previews of all because we're going to be yeah. of the Northeastern, like... I, I was going to say, quote, unquote, I... I expect all of us to be going to Ireland in spirit with the amount of whiskey we are drinking while we're doing. I'm <laughs> climbing into a Guinness keg in spirit for that game. <laughs> yeah. So, but I'm but I'm with you, Sammy. I've we have a big uh, kitchen renovation and and family room renovation that is 95% completed and the 65-inch TV just went in and I've been literally just being like I, I'm just putting myself in the position where I've got my new TV and I'm settled in and I'm watching Northwestern play in Dublin and I'm like, all is right with the world. So that's that's where we're trying to get to. So yeah, um, it is. I'm glad we've gotten through this this whole set of previews. It's been, you know, great. It's been great to do it again. And now we've got, yeah, now we've got the big one. Now we've got the, the big look at Northwestern on deck. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Westlaw Pirates, and you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lawn of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Uh-huh.